guest this morning is Dr. Brooke Stafford Prezars. Welcome. Thank you. So why don't you share with our listeners what you do and why you're here at the Aurora Institute this year. Then we'll have a discussion. Sounds great. Well, I am an educator and a researcher by training. I was a middle school teacher in the Bronx, and I then did my doctoral work in cognitive sciences and education. Mm -hmm. So I studied human development. And uh, I learned everything through that program that I wish I had known as a teacher. And so my work at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative as Director of Whole Child Development is really to lead that work focused on a broader definition of success that is grounded in the sciences of human and human learning and development. Mm. So what, what do you think is the most important message that you might give to teachers embarking on personalizing learning or competency-based or even just learner-centered practices? Sure. And so I'll anchor a bit in the talk that, that I gave yesterday. Um, you know, we, we define whole child development uh, mm -hmm. with six domains. So we focus on academic development, cognitive development, social emotional development, uh, and then physical health and mental health, mm -hmm. in, in addition to identity development. Mm -hmm. Did I say that? Now I said it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we focused in yesterday on mental health and well being. Right. Um, and, you know, we define personalization as deeply understanding the unique strengths, the passions, the needs, um, the context of every learner, and then tailoring the learning environment and the experience to meet those needs mm -hmm. and strengths and passions. Um, and that matters in all of those areas that I talked about. Um, and so when we think about supporting uh, social emotional development or mental health and well-being, um, one of our very strong messages is that um, that requires the same amount of rigor mm -hmm. that we bring to math and to literacy because there are skills underlying those areas. And so you can't just expect a student to practice self-regulation or to draw from resilience by putting a poster on the wall. Right. right. We have to use all of the principles of learning science. So that means just like we do with math and literacy, you uh, ground it in an authentic, engaging experience. Mm -hmm. You give the students opportunities to practice. You give rigorous and constructive feedback. And then you give constant opportunities to apply mm -hmm. that feedback with further practice. And so that matters as much as it does for algebra as and self-regulation. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that when we talk about these in, in schools and districts, that teachers aren't prepared for these sort of things. That, uh, as a high school teacher, I was a math teacher. I was prepared to teach math, uh, social studies, and you know the, everybody's got their own focus on the academic part, but all the, the rest of the whole child initiative are things that teachers don't think they're prepared for. Uh, what are your suggestions about that? I mean, sure. can we do it? right now? Do they need different training? Do we need a different way of teacher prep? Yep. So I have, I have two messages there. One is, uh, and, it, and I shared this yesterday, our teachers know how to connect with students. Right. When we, any professional development we give requires not just the, the teacher gaining those skills, it requires the organizational supports in the building to actually apply those skills. And so one of the strongest messages is to school and district leaders to carve out intentional time mm -hmm. for students and teachers to connect. Then magic will happen. The 
the other piece of the puzzle is it's true. Like we don't prepare teachers through the lens of human development and learning. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one thing that we're focused on at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative is expanding what partnerships look like in schools and in districts. And so bringing more intentional focus to clinicians and social workers and pediatricians mm -hmm. and giving them seats at the table of design. And so we can create learning experiences and environments for kids across the school that's informed by expertise that isn't currently at the table. I think partnerships are hugely important. Educators, much like everyone else, right, they can't do everything. And the more we learn about learning, the just becomes so much more clear that there needs to be like an all hands on deck approach to teaching and learning. Um, so how might a teacher or a school that's interested in this but doesn't necessarily have the systemic supports around them, what are some steps that they can take to start being more responsive to the um, social, emotional, mental health yep. identity of learners? So I would, I would encourage schools and districts to um, utilize some of the resources that they consider more in the tier three space, mm -hmm. perhaps, bring that into tier one. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the expertise of our special education teams, mm -hmm. um, when we think about uh, some of the skills that all of our kids need, um, our school psychologists, our social workers, uh, they can inform larger environments mm -hmm. um, of well-being for all students. And so I would tap in, <clears throat> excuse me, to those existing resources that we have in our schools and districts. So notice that sometimes when the budget crises these days, school psychologists, social workers, are some of the first people being cut because people are afraid to cut teachers, right? So teachers are off the board and it always gets into those other quote areas. And if this, this continues to happen, how do we get at those yeah. uh, social emotional learning and, and mental health of our kids when we're trying to transform the way we do some teacher prep as you just, just talked about? It's a great question. I, I will tell you I'm very encouraged by what we're seeing across a number of states recognizing that mental health is critical. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's different in different states. So some states are, are driven by issues with bullying or concerns with school shooting or suicidality mm -hmm. or depression. Um, and some of these, these needs that are popping up within the adolescent community in particular um, are driving policy and resource allocation at the state level. Mm -hmm. So I will say I'm optimistic that um, there is growing recognition among policymakers that mm -hmm. this matters and it needs to be resourced. Um, but it's something that we need our educators to continue to advocate for and to do that through a really strong understanding and messaging that the whole child is not something that can be teased apart. And we can turn to the science and demonstrate why something like mental health is critical for the process of learning. And that if students are disconnected emotionally or socially, then they will not have those resources of attention and memory and motivation that are precious and limited in the experience of learning. Mm -hmm. And so we can either leverage mental health and social and emotional well-being to accelerate and drive the learning process. And if we don't acknowledge that those are critical, they will act as barriers because students will be distracted and focusing on areas that are going to impact their learning experience. So something that we ask all of our um, all of the, our interviewees, all the people we talk with. So we host a podcast called Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. Mm -hmm. 
and we um, investigate the do-dos and don't-dos of personalized learning. So what would you offer as kind of the biggest do-do for personalized learning? Uh, so the biggest do-do is um, when we think about um, some of the really critical areas that we want to support in our students um, around mental health and well-being or social emotional supports is that one size does not fit all in these spaces either. Mm -hmm. And so uh, meditation and mindfulness is a very powerful practice right now mm -hmm. that does not work for all students. Right. Right? In fact, for some students who are experiencing certain types of adversity, it's triggering yeah. and scary. And so some kids need to get on the bike. Some kids need to pass a ball. Some, kid needs, some kids need to engage in a drum circle, like mm -hmm. music therapy. Like really understanding that we have to differentiate when we're thinking about some of these other skills. I would name attachment and connection as another area. Mm -hmm. um, our attachment styles are in the way that we connect um, with adults and, uh, and other humans is impacted by our experience. And so if a student is experiencing um, neglect, that's very different from a student who might be experiencing another adverse experience. Mm -hmm. um, and so you cannot engage and connect and build attachment in the same way with all students because some students need to be held closer right. and supported in that proximity. Some kids need to feel independent mm -hmm. and that you're there, but at a distance. That's, that feels safer for them. Right. And you just have to understand as a teacher, get to know your students and understand that connecting with them is not a one size fit all, fits all either. Thank you so much for talking with us and visiting us at the Thanks for having me. We're just one.